Hi, my name is Chris. Like Pastor Mark said, it's great to be with you again. Uh, I'm really starting to love coming up here. Um, this time I bear good news. Uh, my family and I are not in crisis due to natural disaster or some personal event. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, we are actually in a really joy-filled place. We're planning a church in Houston, and, and uh, my wife and I feel called to Houston to begin a multi-ethnic expression of, of uh, the kingdom and begin to do some, some worship and some reconciliation in the area of, uh, of multi-ethnicity in Houston. And um, we're building that church together, and we're just really excited with what God is doing in the city already. We're looking for a location which uh, we've narrowed it down to about three places. We're just asking the Lord, like, where do you, where would you want to plant the gospel if you were us? And that's been a real fruitful thing. We've gotten some coaching on church planning. We've been to some conferences, and we're very excited. Um, really glad that Christmas is here. However, you know, Christmas kind of plants itself right in the middle of, of uh, momentum, and it I'm not, I want Christmas to be here, but I'm also kind of ready for the new year because I'm, I'm ready to get rolling with this thing. So if you would, write down on your prayer list, wherever you write prayers, if you would be praying for Chris and Rebecca Harrison uh, as we begin to seek God's will and continue to chase him into the city and the church name that, that we're kind of going with at this point in time is Kingdom Story Fellowship. Kingdom Story Fellowship. We want a fellowship of... Uh, of people who are pursuing faith in Jesus to come together and learn to see our story as a part of God's story. God has this amazing cosmic story and we just want to help people connect their story to his story to know that there is room in, in who God is for you. There's room in what God is doing for you. So if you would pray for us, that would be awesome and, and we'll continue to uh, update and coordinate. Your pastor, Andrew, is just one of my dearest friends, and we kind of get excited as we dream about what a, what a church plant, partnering with a church in Omaha, Blair, you know, what that would look like, and uh, so we, we keep getting excited and dreaming, so please be in prayer, and we'll just continue to update you in terms of um, how things are going. I know my wife and I will be back in March for some fun that y'all are having, and can't wait for that. So, you are in the middle of a series, your Advent series, this Christmas. And week one, Pastor Andrew uh, gave you the message on light and the, that light matters and how important it is for us to see ourselves as who we were created to be, light for the world. And as you look around the, the town and you look at your houses and inside where all the Christmas lights are strewn, that that's an invitation to be reminded of who you are. They're not just silly, empty Christmas. Christmas ornaments, they're, they're light that is a reminder of Christ's presence in the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you look at your tree and it's blinking, that blinking isn't just to be pretty in a corner of your living room. It's to remind you of the call with which you have been called to be light. It's a really powerful and important message. Last week, Pastor Andrew uh, preached the message, preparing to give. And that is a crucial message to hear, especially at this time of year. Uh, we want to be reminded that we're givers, that we give, and, and that this Christmas season, it's not the only time we give. It's just a, it's a symbol of our generosity and a symbol of giving. And you're being called to some, some pretty bold places in giving. And he, he reminded you of what a difference it makes, not only here in this church, but out in the city and, and even broader, even down to Houston. Um, 
This week, I want to affirm that preparing to give is important. But this week, I want to introduce or, or just continue on with that idea and say, preparing to receive is just as important. Preparing to receive is important this time of year. Like, it's not all about giving. It's, a, it's about receiving. Receiving's critical. Um, there is nothing that I can give to you that is greater than the gift I have received from the Father in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is nothing I could give to you that is more powerful and more transformative in your life and being than the gift of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and new life in him. So preparing ourselves to receive the gift of Jesus is what I want to spend some time on this morning. So we are going to read from the Bible. Crazy, crazy, I know. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, if, if you have brought your Bible, just get ready to open it to Matthew 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning and you would like one, we have a Bible for you. And once you receive it, it is yours to keep. This is your Bible from this day forward. So if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll make sure to get one to you uh, right at this moment. And when you get that Bible, you can open to the second chapter of Matthew. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know where Matthew is. If you're not familiar with the Bible, open it to the middle. Take a right, start flipping. The last quarter of the Bible is the New Testament. It's the first book in the New Testament, second chapter. Most of you look like you're there with me. Okay, so we're going to hit this. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, this is the story of the Magi. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. I want your minds just to note the fact that it says some, okay, hold on to that, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. These eastern people come into town. They, they obviously were further east than, than the Middle East. They were far Middle East. I don't know where they're from. Anyway, they come into town and everybody starts talking about them. The gossip mill gets working and, and people are concerned about why these guys are here. So they're asking, everybody's asking, and so Herod calls a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asks, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they answer, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And the prophet they're referring to is Micah, a couple of chapters to the right of, to the left of Matthew, depending on which way you have your Bible. I'm confused. Look it up. So this is what it says. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Does anybody smell a trap? After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. 
Just want to rewind that and read it again. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. We are going to go to the end of the passage, but I want to press pause here because uh, true confession, I sometimes have a hard time connecting to joy. I can get way too serious about the task at hand. I can get way too bummed out about what's unfavorable. I can get so thinking into the future that I'm not really present in the present and joy just becomes a hard commodity for me to receive. And so as much as I pray for joy, I so received it yesterday on the plane on the way here. So yesterday on the plane, uh, I was sitting on the aisle seat and then there was a mom and there was her daughter next to her and this daughter was the cutest of the cute. She had so much cuteness crammed into her like four or five-year-old body. It was like God put cuteness in there. The parents put cuteness. The grandparents put the Easter bunny put a little cuteness in there. She was so precious. And she had so much joy. She was narrating the whole event in her cute little precious voice. And she was looking out the window. And so she's in her chair. She's looking out the window. And she's like... And I can see the street, and we're moving, and we're moving, yeah, we're moving, we're moving, there's the wing, and there's a guy, hello guy, bye guy, and there's more street, oh, look, a line, and we're going to, and we're taking off, you know, and, and she's so excited about this, and she's like, mom, did you see the thing out the window, it's a window, there's two windows, and they're plastic, and she gets the other girl singing, the, the little girl in front of her, and they're kind of, she didn't really know the song, this little girl knows the song, and so she's singing the song, and she's like, and I'm really scared, I think I might die, because we're taking off, and we're not on the ground, and anymore. I hope I don't die. And the mom's like, sweetheart, you're not going to die. Woohoo! We're not going to die. Everything's okay. And she just continues this thing. We're up in the air. We're not on the ground anymore. And I saw this joy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is more joy. And I know we're kind of in a strange place in our culture. And so when I say this, I don't want to be creepy, but I kind of want to like rub some of the joy and take it for myself. Because she had so much joy. She was exploding with joy. And I was thinking about this verse because we tend to think about these magi as these kind of like droll figures in clothes that it must be too heavy for them. And they've got their gift and they're really, it's kind of like, um, here. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that when they saw where the star, that when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. So I'm just imagining, just go with me here. I'm just imagining these wise men coming to Jesus and they're like, we're going to see Jesus. Everybody's going to see Jesus. Hey, look at Campbell. Oh, this is a great time. Everybody join in. Everybody's having a good day. You know, just really like we're doing the Jesus dance. We're just loving it. Well, come on. <laughs> filled with joy. Their, their stupidity and their excitement. They're like, they're filled with joy. They're, they're, they're feeling hilarious on the inside. And I just, oh, I loved picturing that. It reoriented the way that I saw the story. So as I read the story, as we talk about it, I want you to see these wise men, not as these like droll, sad old dudes that are giving away their life savings. These are like happy people. You know, maybe the servants behind them carrying their stuff are upset, but they, that's a whole other thing. But they're like, oh, Gone, gone, oh, oh. You know, I hear. <laughs> All right, which brings me to verse 11. <sighs> I was currently unaware that preaching is a cardio exercise. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, they, they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary. I'm just afraid that you're thinking like, I have no idea what he said, but the Bible really wears him out. 
Uh, they saw the house and saw the child. They entered the house, saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let us pray for just a moment. Lord Jesus, we want to know your presence in this place. We want to marinate in the joy that you give. We want to receive the fullness of your joy, the fullness of your love, the fullness of your peace, the fullness of the knowledge that you are here with us. Help us to see your face in in the time that we have together as your people, that we may go out of this place completely transformed in the way that we see Christmas all around us. We trust you, Jesus. We love you. And we cannot wait to hear you speak. Amen. Okay. So I want to start with the Magi. Because the Magi are this ep- the epic Christmas characters. And uh, in fact, we know little about them. There are some clues in the, in the scripture. And I want to look at those clues. But we know little about them. So a lot more can be dreamed up about them than is actually written. And uh, so that's what I'd like to do in the next little bit is do some dreaming. Uh, The Magi, what we're told is that they're from the East. Well, we all call Israel and Palestine, we all call that the Middle East. So imagine uh, if you're in the Middle East and you call people from the East, they're further East. And what scholars imagine is that these Magi are, are from like the Arabian Peninsula or from Persia or from further east. We just don't know a lot about them. What we know is that in calling them magi, Matthew is saying that they were from another religion. They practiced things that Jews didn't practice, and certainly they practiced things that Christians were not going to practice. These were people who did things that were unclean to the Jew and maybe immoral to the, to the Christian. It's, I, you know, I'm just guessing, but they practiced magic, some sort of like sorcery, uh, maybe astrology, nature. There was just a lot of stuff going on. And so here's the gospel that explodes out of this because Matthew's telling us the story. Jesus is an equal opportunity savior whose love is not hidden from magi. Jesus is a God for everybody. And that's one of the first stories. One of the first stories isn't that he called Christians to come and worship him. That's not the story. The story is like, who can you imagine is the furthest from believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? These guys, oh cool, let's reach them. I'm going to throw a star up in the sky and and I'm going to lead them, seduce them to come to where Jesus is. They're not going to be able to resist it and they're going to have joy. Remember this? They're going to have joy. They're going to be filled with that. It's going to be great. It's going to be epic. I can't wait for you to see this. So the Magi are from the east. They're they're some other thing and they're coming and they're bearing gifts for Jesus. So who they are, we we know very little, but we can take some good guesses. Where did they go? Okay, this is another question. Where did they go? They went to the house where Jesus was. Now, when we look at the Christmas story, we don't think house because the Bible tells us that Jesus was born in a... He was born in a manger, in a stable. Well, here's the thing. They were called back to Bethlehem because of the Roman census. They were trying to get a grip on who and how many people were in the empire so they could tax them. And the Roman census, it's not like an overnight thing. They're not just getting their 
cell phones out and doing an e-survey. Like, they had to stay where they were until they were counted. And this was a long process. So long that two years later, they were still in Bethlehem. We imagine at this point in, in time, Jesus was about two years old. And the reason is because Herod asks, when did the star first appear? And then he sends the order to execute all the children below the age of two. So they, he could have been up to the age of two. So Joseph, being the entrepreneur that he is, he's been able to get them out of the stable and manger and into a house. It wouldn't have been a big house. It would have been you know, a small house, but it would have totally suited their purpose. Now, how many magi were there? Traditionally, we believe that there were three. But as we can see in the scripture, it doesn't say three. It says some. And everybody knows that the Greek word that's translated into some actually means some. <laughs> Here's why I have a hard time with three. The road that they traveled to get to Bethlehem was one of the most dangerous journeys that you could embark on. The likelihood of three dudes carrying gold, making it from this point A to this point B, is low. People didn't caravan in threes. They caravan in thirties and in three hundreds. Now, you could get in a caravan and, and just join them, but I just kind of imagine, what if it wasn't three kings it's not in the Bible, right? I'm not, I'm, not preaching, I'm not preaching out of the Bible right now. I'm just guessing. This is Chris' imagination. Please don't tell Pastor Andrew. Um, <laughs> what if it wasn't three kings, but what if it was more like 23? And I throw 23 at you because of the gifts that were given and because it just makes the scene better. Three guys dancing and doing the jig as they're walking with joy to Jesus. That's one thing. But 23, it's like the cast of a chorus line or something. I mean, they're just really, it's like wicked, you know? Everybody's singing and flying and dancing and they're having a good old time and their servants are behind them carrying the heavy gifts and they're enjoying and, and doing their stuff. And you get 23 of these magi crowded into this house and that's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, that's like a great Christmas. 23 guys and they're all scrunched in, still filled with joy, all scrunched in, trying to take up as little with their gift. And they begin to give these gifts to Jesus one after the other, after the other, after the other, which can be very overwhelming. I don't know if you have ever done Christmas with a two-year-old. But in my experience, this is what happens. You give a two-year-old a present, they unwrap it, they look at the toy, put it aside, and run off with the box. <laughs> and the good news is, you've still got like 15 presents for next Christmas, I guess, because that was all that they required. But it's really overwhelming. You know, they're young, they can't, they can't take in all of the receiving. And so they just cut and run with the, what they're fascinated with. But they're giving gift after gift after gift, frankincense. You know, the spice, myrrh, this incense, or strike that and reverse it. Gold. I mean, they're, they're receiving these gifts. And all these people are crammed into this room, filled with joy. And here's something else, okay? This is not in the Bible, but it should be. It's not, but it should be, but it's not. <laughs> if I were one of these magi, and I had come all the way, and I had brought these gifts... And I had had to go through Herod. See, Herod, to call him temperamental and slightly homicidal, that's a compliment. Herod was not a nice guy. They could have arrived and Herod would have been like, off with their heads. Or he could have stabbed him himself. He was not a nice man. 
We find out in the, in the passages below that he was not above killing children. I mean, this was not a nice guy. They show up and they give him terrible news. Hey, we're here to see the new king. The who king? The not you king. That's who king. And they give him this message and Herod is not entertained, but he wants to find the thing so he can kill. So they've got to go through Herod, right? And it just, I think this moment should remind us that these magi risked their lives to get to Herod, but Jesus gave his life to get to you. So I think the gospel is unstoppable. Talk about unstoppable God, unstoppable gospel in this story. The magi risked their lives to get to Jesus, and Jesus gave his life to get to you. So they're in this room. They've risked their lives. They've given these gifts. It's kind of an awkward moment. I know if I were one of these magi, filled with joy, I would look at Mary and I would ask her a question. Anybody take a gander at what that question is? Who's your cable provider? No, I'm just kidding. I would ask her, who is this child? I seriously want to know. We've gone through an awful lot of trouble to get to a baby that we don't even know who it is. Who is this child? And maybe they didn't speak the language. Maybe they, they just didn't share that. And so they're kind of like doing that awkward like, Or maybe there was like, Chuck. Now, this isn't in the Bible. It should be, but it's not. But it should be, but it's not. Mary's answer would have unleashed the power of God onto the planet. I mean, this, this would have been one of the most powerful evangelical sermons ever spoken. Because when they ask, who is this child? She would preach this message. She would proclaim the power of God simply by saying, his name is Jesus. Now take this in for, just receive this for a second. Who is this child? His name is Jesus. Let's look at the sermon in that name. This name was the name of a child that was promised by God, named by an angel, born to a virgin in a stable laid in a manger in Bethlehem. That's a miracle. This, this name is the name of a Messiah that was promised long before and is in living answer right in front of them. When she says Jesus, she's saying the Hebrew Yeshua, which means God saves, God restores, God redeems, God rescues. All that in this little tiny person playing with a box. Who is this? This is Jesus the prophet Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years before that the name of this child would be Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And if I took that English translation and I just translated it one more time, it would be God is not going anywhere ever. So when she preaches this message in answer to the question, who is this child? And saying, this child is Jesus. She's saying, this child is God here. God with us. God is never going anywhere. He saves. He restores. He rescues. He redeems. Amen. And that's just in this little moment. Because, see, people, what I think we need to realize and wake up to is the fact that Christmas has a name. Christmas is not this 
symbol that's, that's out there on people's lawns. It's not encapsulated in people that have reindeer in their grass. It's not, it's not the little Santa that's stuck up on the roof. Christmas is more than a season. Christmas has a name, and its name is Jesus. And that name means God is with us. He's never going anywhere ever. He saves. He restores. He redeems. He's rescued. When we say Merry Christmas to somebody, we're preaching. I think, we ought to, I think we ought to take a step back and question whether we ought to be bringing Merry Christmas back. I ain't picking a political fight. I'm saying there's, there's wisdom in understanding what we're saying because every time we say Merry Christmas, we're preaching the gospel into the world. We're, we're saying, I don't care what kind of magi you are. I don't care where you're from. My Jesus is an equal opportunity savior and he's got his hand reaching out to you if you are ready to receive it. I don't care the journey that you're taking. The journey that you're taking can be filled with joy because you're going to see Jesus, the same Jesus that you may risk your life getting to him, but he gave his life to get to you. Christmas is a loaded word. Christmas is the passion of God poured out upon the planet. When we say Merry Christmas, it's not good tidings to in the jingle bells. It is a gospel message that the love and the grace of God the Father is here for you if you are ready to receive it. Merry Christmas. Christmas has a name. His name is Jesus. His name Jesus means he is with us. He restores. He redeems. He saves. He rescues. Take a minute with that. Because you're going to leave this place and somebody's going to say Merry Christmas to you. And you're going to say Merry Christmas to somebody else. And I want you to just just take a minute and think about what you're actually saying. Turn to a neighbor to the right or to the left and just say, Merry Christmas. And turn to somebody else and say, Merry Christmas. You're preaching the gospel. There's gospel going on here. There's invitation to life transformation in everything you just said. Congratulations, you're a movement ready to reshape this city and this world. Okay, so the Magi, we've got this name. When somebody asks who is Jesus, powerful and profound things happen. When we look at the, at the uh, Gospel of Mark, and we're in ch chapter 4, verse 41, you don't have to turn there. The story is this. There are some disciples on a boat, and a storm is literally almost tearing this boat apart. And it's about to capsize, and they're about to go into the water. And Jesus is just taking a nap in the back. He's chilling, and they go to him, and they say, Jesus, you really need to wake up and do something about this storm, because it's about to kill us all, and all includes you. And I know that you don't want to die, and I don't want to die. And so you should do something. So Jesus says, hey, I'm really glad you asked. And he walks up to the storm, and he says, storm, peace, be still. Or for you younger people, chill out, chillax. And the storm listens and is quieted. And in response, the disciples say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? There is power in the name of Jesus. Merry Christmas. Oh, and Christmas has a name, and its name is Jesus. In this case, there was a storm, and Jesus stood up and he said, Peace be still. And he quieted that storm, but we all know that we go through storms. And Jesus doesn't say, Peace be still. 
Jesus allows us to go through them to the very end. He allows us to weather the storm until the end because that's what weather does. My most recent experience was what I came to talk to you last time about was Hurricane Harvey. And let me tell you what. I believe that if Jesus had said, peace be still to Hurricane Harvey, the kingdom of God would have lost way more than he saved. Because right now, hearts are broken that God can restore. Right now, people are asking questions that Jesus can answer. Right now, homes are open to churches who can just walk in and say, hey, we're here to help you rebuild. We're here to do what the church is called to do. We're actually here to sit with you and to bring you food and to comfort you in this time of your need. We're actually good at this part. We are doing what we are great at, which is stepping in as Jesus did after the storm of life destroys you. Right now, the, the church in Houston, it's just this epic moment for the church in Houston to proclaim Jesus into living rooms that we would have never had access to had Harvey not hit us. Like, I can go into the store, and I'm not kidding, this actually happens. You can go into the store, and you can ask somebody, hey, how'd you do in the flood? And they're like, oh, man, that was really hard. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Do you mind if I pray for you about that? Because uh, that's just what I do. I've never had a person go, no, you freak, you weirdo. Every person is receptive to the fact that somebody wants to care for their heart and care for them spiritually. And you can actually even press in and say, hey, do you have any kids? Yeah, how are they doing? They all right? There's a children's program down the street that is loving on kids who have been hit by Hurricane Harvey. I just want to let you know, it's up to you, whatever you want. How, how are you doing? Do you have community? No, you don't have community? Listen, we're going to have a dinner. It's amazing what's happening. We're actually being the church to people who need the church to be the church, all because Jesus didn't say, peace, be still. Another instance is Jesus was having dinner at the home of a Pharisee, and a woman burst in, and she opened a can of expensive perfume on his feet, and she began to cry and weep, and, and she was washing the, the oil away with her tears and her hair, and the Pharisees were just outraged, and they were looking at her, and they were like, this is, this is not good. And if you are really who you said you are, then you would know that she is a sinner. And so he turns to her and he says, okay, then cool. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees ask, who is this man who believes that he has the power to forgive sin? Merry Christmas. Christmas has a name and his name is Jesus. And he has the power to forgive. And I just want to spend a moment um, because some of us have a really hard time receiving forgiveness. We, we have a difficult time believing that God is so loving that he would forgive even me. That he would forgive even you. We have a difficult time receiving that kind of love. Some of us have a difficult time showing that kind of love, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about receiving the forgiveness of a God who forgives and rescues and redeems and restores and saves and will never leave you or forsake you, no matter what you do, what you say, what you think. A God who is anchored and rooted in seeing you become loved by him. So much so that the Apostle John wrote in his first letter to the church, 1 John 1.9. Go ahead and put this up so we can see it. 
If we confess our sins to him, then he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we confess our sins to God, and, and confession is just another way of, of saying, of like God saying to you, you tell me what I already know. Confession is just getting on the same page with God. It's like saying, you saw that, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, you saw that. I saw that too. It's a way of saying, I know you, you know what I thought, I thought it. I just need you to know that I know that I thought it and I know you know. Confession is a way of just getting on the same page with the Lord because there's nowhere to hide from the Lord. Psalms tell us if I go to the highest height, you're there. Lowest low, you're there. If I go to the right, to the left, to the back, or to the forward, you're there. There is no place. I can go back in time, forward in time, whatever. You are there. You can't hide from God. But see, God doesn't hold that over us because his love is so great that he's ready to get beyond it. He's like, listen, listen, you go ahead and you tell me what I already know so that I can tell you what you were created to hear. Which is that you are forgiven. That you were loved. That you were redeemed and restored and rescued. And I am here with you and I ain't never going anywhere. So when we read this verse, if we confess our sins to him, he is just and faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from our wickedness. That's not an indictment, friends. That's the fulfillment of a promise. A promise that was born into the world on Christmas and Christmas has a name and his name is Jesus. In Christ, we are redeemed and restored and forgiven. When you ask the question, who is this? Get ready for a really powerful answer. And to take it one step further before I wrap this up, some of us today may be saying, this is cool, Chris. It's really easy for a preacher to preach that but you don't know how weighed down I am with guilt. You don't know how weighed down I am with shame. You don't, you don't know me well enough. And my response is to that, I don't have to because God does. And when we go before him and say, God, you couldn't forgive me. I am way too weighed down. What we have to hear is the father say back to you, then give it to me. I can take it. I'll get rid of it. Give me what you got because I want you to have what I give you. Your hands are too full of your own stuff for you to take account of the thing I've already put in your heart. I want to get rid of all the distraction so that you can see what is in me, in you. I want us all to hear the, the voice of the Lord say, listen, there is no pain I can't mend. There is no hurt I can't heal. There's no person I can't save. There's no face I can't love. There's no people I can't reach. There is nothing that will turn me away from you because I am God with you. Merry Christmas. And Christmas has a name and his name is Jesus. So in 2003, I had been in ministry for about 10 years and I was running on empty. And I kept running on empty. I uh, was ministering just out of a dry well. 
doing what I'm doing now, teaching out of a dry well, hoping that somebody would catch my fake passion, somebody would catch my false energy. And a pastor at the church came to me and he said, hey, we have a sponsor who will pay for you to join us as we go to Ethiopia. Would you like to come? And I said, no. And my wife said, you need to get out of my house. Because I was also fathering out of a dry well and being a husband out of a dry well. So I went to Ethiopia for like two weeks. We spent a week in Kenya. It was an amazing trip. It was very life transformative, but I was unaware at the time how transformational it would be. We got to see a lot of the organizations that people in, in the capital city of Addis Ababa had started to really revitalize and restore their people. And we were able to go to this one school for the blind. And at this school, we walked around, and, and I was amazed by their practices and their programs and their techniques and the, the ways that they were able to love on these children who had sight at one point, but there was something in the water that when they got in it, it caused them to go blind. And, and so they were at this school, and we got to walk around and, and see them at work and at play. And at the very end of the trip, somebody started handing out these bags of candy. And the kids were kind of in a group, right? They were just packed together and... I, I was so dry, so emotionally dry, so lacking joy and humor that I actually got angry. I'm like, what are we supposed to do this? Throw this at the blind kids? What kind of witness is this? But little did I know, children know what to do when there's candy around, whether they can see or not. And these kids kind of came into and they clumped in and it was just like I imagine at Jesus' house with gifts being given and not given. There's just all the mess of kids and we're all crowded in this tight place and we're just handing kids candy and, and afterwards, you know, the kids, they had handfuls of candy and they're walking away, the happiest children and there was this moment where there was this one child and this one child was left, he was about four years old, he was about this tall and I had some pieces of candy in my hand and he came up to me and he lifted his hand up to me and I dropped the candy in it, and he let the candy fall out of his hand. He grabbed onto my hand, and he rolled himself into my body. And it was at this moment that time kind of stopped. And as I looked around, it was like the world was visible, but seen through this haze, this water that fell from heaven or something. And I had this little tiny child in my arms. And I heard the voice of my father say, Chris, do you know how hard it is to get close to you? I had to take you to the other side of the planet just to hold you in my arms. And I had this moment with the Lord. It was so profound and so deep and so profoundly transformative. And of course, this child being a child, in just a moment, he kind of unwound himself, picked up his candy and wandered off. And I was in the same place I was before I went to Ethiopia, which was, it was just me in the presence of my father. And it was in this moment that I really felt I heard, or at least I knew I heard the words, Chris, I'm here with you, and I will never leave. When you get on the plane, I am there. 
When you share the story about my love for people, I am there. When you go home and, and, and you're with your wife and your children, I am there. My prayer for you this morning is simple. I want you to receive that. I want you to receive a God who loves you, who's with you, who rescues you, saves you, redeems you, restores you because it's Christmas and Christmas has a name and his name is Jesus. Friends, if today you're feeling dry, if today you're feeling emotionally dry, spiritually dry, relationally dry, Jesus is with you. You don't have to go to Ethiopia to find the presence of the Father. If today you're hungry and, and you don't know where to go because it, wherever you go, it doesn't feel like God is there giving you what you need. I want you right here, right now to receive everything that he's already given you. If right now you feel like your heart is broken, I, I want you to receive his restoration. If right now you feel like you're a person and you're breaking hearts, I want you to receive his healing. I know that God is doing amazing stuff. I get texts from your pastor telling me the number of people who are placing their faith in Jesus for the first time, the number of people who are finding their way into this community and being loved by you, the number of Bibles that you give out based on sheer volume, the number of people who are so crazy, so mentally tormented that they volunteer with the children in the nursery. <laughs> Let me tell you what, in the, in the church, in the, in the nation, you guys are a weirdo. You're a weird church because the kingdom of God is at work doing crazy things among you. I want you to receive that so you too can be prepared to give it. And when you do that, you'll look like light. Merry Christmas. It is such a joy and a privilege to stand on this platform which is not made of wood. It's made of grace. If you knew me, you would never stop laughing that I'm the person God has put on this platform of grace to share this message with you. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we are a people who long to receive. We, we are a people who long to receive what you've already given, what you were presently giving and what you will give. Lord, there's a, there are people here right now who, who are just bone dry, who need that moment where they're wrapped in your arms and, and, and feel time stop and, and feel the, the rain of heaven pour down upon the earth so everything looks like just gazing into the kingdom. Lord, we need that and I ask for that and I pray that you would deliver that and people would receive that. Lord, there are marriages in this room where this morning, I know they looked at each other wondering if it was going to last another day, but we'll give church another try. And Lord, I want you to step in and I'm praying that, that you would step in and, and restore in your power the relationships that are broken. You are a God who can do all things, Lord. We pray that your power would do the impossible. You're an unstoppable God. 
Lord Jesus, we want to experience Christmas differently this year. As we go out with those words, Merry Christmas on our lip, I pray that that sermon will transform people around us. Thank you for this weirdo church where you are at work doing amazing things. I thank you for this platform of grace. And I thank you for the name of Jesus who gives us hope, who gives us peace, who gives us strength, who gives us joy, who gives us our very next step, our next breath, our next desire, our next longing, our next thing that we're going to do together as a church in this community for one another and for the city and for you. We thank you, Jesus, that you say, you restore, you heal. Lord, you step in with us and you're with us and you never leave. We praise you, Jesus. And as a people who are gathered around you, Jesus, we pray with one accord, full of joy, empowered by you, Lord, we say to you, amen, as one people. People, can we do that? Can we say amen? Amen. Blessings and peace to you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Good morning, Country Bible. My name is uh, Kevin Barnhill, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, you know, I, I've been asked to take this time to kind of remind us a little bit more about Christmas. And Christmas is a time of giving. So at our house, we have a little bit of a tradition there. People win Christmas. You get to win. Uh, it's a contest. And you win not based on the pile of gifts that you get or, or, or it's about what you gave. So to win Christmas in our house, you typically have to find that special gift or uh, one of our family members that just matches who they are and what they need. And that's where we're at here at Country Bible. We are a giving church, and right now, where we're at, after the last 13 months, we have 43 baptisms. We've given 513 Bibles. And over 150 people have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the very first time. I bring those numbers out uh, to celebrate what God is doing, how he is moving amongst us and in our midst and through our congregation. But part of that is we need some resources. So I'm asking you for as we finish the year to please consider giving a little bit extra and continuing that throughout the year. This offering that we're asking for and that we're looking for to finish our year out isn't for special. It's not for the pastors. It's not, it's for the kingdom. All the money's given will stay within the general funds so that we can continue to build the kingdom that God has laid out. You cannot outgive God. And as Chris has told us, Christmas is about Jesus. And it's about the great gift of his salvation and his grace and mercy. So the guys are going to close us out. Just uh, please prayerfully consider what gift you would bring forward as part of our worship. Thanks.